So today we're in the third part of our first series. We started off with first time, then we went to first talent, and now we're at first treasure. And as I was preparing this message all week, the more I chewed on it, the bigger it got. Have you ever eaten something like that? You put it in your mouth, you begin to chew on it, and it just kind of swells in you. So the Lord and I had a a week-long discussion, and it ended last night when I gave up. I said, Lord, this message is too big for me to handle on just one Sunday. And he said, well, why are you limiting yourself to one Sunday? And I said, Lord, but this is going to mess up our pattern here of we've got things scheduled out here, and this pushes us back one week. He said, who's in charge of what's going on here? So I just said, uncle, and you got me. And this is what we're going to do. So, so I can, I can uh, walk in the unforced rhythms of His grace this morning. Not trying to get all of the points that I have out to you in a certain amount of time. And so I'm just asking you to, to be patient with me as I unpack this thing called First Treasure. It is so rich and it's so powerful and You know, really in our vision, when we see people set free, as a pastor, I'm beginning to get a clearer picture of seeing people set free from bondage in their finances. That's why the Lord is working all things together for our good, bringing this Financial Peace University um, to our uh, family, if you will, uh, beginning in February, and if you haven't signed up for it, I encourage you to sign up for it. But listen, this is not the first class that we're going to have a Financial Peace University. It's going to it's going to be an ongoing thing. It's going to change the fabric of our church. The Lord, if you remember, if you've been with us for for a number of years, you'll remember the Lord uh, instructed us to to walk debt free. Well, right now we're carrying debt, so we need to be debt free as a church, right? And so, but here's the deal. Here's, and I struggled with the Lord with this as the pastor, and we took a mortgage on this property and building, but we got it at such a rate that uh, we're actually right side up in this thing, right? We are paying a monthly mortgage bill, but what we paid for this in relation to what this place is worth, along with the eight acres of land, is it's a good deal, all right? So I'm not condemning myself over this. God had a hand in us getting on this property and, and, and using these buildings for his glory. So with all that said, are you ready to hear about money? <laughs> it's kind of, we're on holy ground here. <laughs> I, should, I should take my shoes off here. But listen. Money, it's not something that God just kind of closes his eyes or sticks his head in the sand and just ignores it, right? Money is a big thing to God. Now, he's not in love with it. But he, uh, it's, it, I'll just tell you, it's the number one thing. But coming from God, from the perspective of God, money and treasure is the number one thing that competes for our heart. And so if God said 
that finances are, is the number one thing that competes for our heart, then it must be something important to him. He must have an answer for the questions that we have of, of what do we do with this money? How, how do we manage this money? Why did you make gold in the earth, silver in the earth, and why is it that we exchange? You know, before they had money, they bartered. You know, I will give you a goat if you come over and fix my house uh, because I'm a goat farmer or whatever. You know, if, if you give me two dozen eggs because you're a chicken farmer, then I will give you, uh, um, I don't know, a, 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 a gallon of goat milk because I'm a goat farmer. Right? Before money, there was bartering. And you would pay, with th- pay for things with... Uh, with animals, I guess, are, are things that were worth something, right? God designed this system of worth. And so you need, we need to back off and go up to a 30,000-foot uh, view of, of this thing called money, or else we'll, we'll think, you'll think that because I'm a pastor and I'm up here talking about money, that I want your money. Listen, as long as God is our source, I don't need your money. I learned to trust God 30 years ago in the ministry. God has provided all of my needs. Anything that I have needed, He has provided and exceeded for 30 years. So there is no pressure from a pastor's perspective on the people of the church where money is concerned. But here's where I need to step it up as the pastor of Lifeway Church. I need to inform you what God's Word says about money so that you can prosper. I need to take more of an initiative and teach at a deeper level so that we can come up a level, right? And, and learn how to begin prospering at a higher level and become debt-free because that is God's will, that we live debt-free. Dave Ramsey didn't come up with that. You know, Dave Ramsey, listen, they have, there's, there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that listen to Dave Ramsey every day. Now, this man is a strong Christian, and you'll see if you come to the Financial Peace University that he knows the word concerning finances. The man knows the word concerning finances, but the world has tapped into the principles that he preaches and teaches about money. He didn't come up with the phrase debt-free, but that is something that God holds near and dear to his heart because he wants, he doesn't want us to be a slave to anything or anybody. And so you need to remember that, right? And I'm getting kind of way ahead of myself, so I'll back up and, you know, I'll be saying things once or twice anyway. So uh, it's, it's, the word sets free. The Bible said, Jesus said, my disciples are the ones that know the truth And the truth sets them free. So we're in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to be reading from verse 25. If you want to turn to Matthew 6, 25. And you have your notes in front of you, right? This this year, in 2018, we're making the notes on a a 5.5 by 8.5 sheet of paper so you can write on it. You know, the cards were great, but... uh, People were asking me, Pastor, can we make these a little bit bigger so we can write on them? So there you go. Matthew 6 and verse 25, starting in verse 25. In the New King James Version, it says, Therefore I say to you, this is Jesus talking, do not worry. Everybody say worry. Worry. Jesus said, do not worry about your life. That's one worry. We're going to count how many worries here. What you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, everybody say worrying, can add one cubit to his stature. That's two worries, right? And verse 28, so why do you worry? Everybody say worry. Why, why are you worried about clothing? That's three times Jesus has, in, in these three, four verses here, he's used the word worry. Why are you worried about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, that's number four, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God. If, if first is not underlined in your Bible, underline first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And then verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so do you think Jesus was talking about money? Yes, he was. But he was also talking about how to be free from worry. You've got to understand that it's the heart of Jesus that he doesn't want people in his body to be worried about finances or anything. And so he's given us a principle here in verse 33 that will help us. It's called the principle of first. And today we're calling it uh, first treasure. And he's given us a principle so that we can be free, that we can disconnect from this thing called worry. Because people in the world are worried about money. And it doesn't matter how much money they have, they're still worried about it. They can be invested, they can have $2 million invested in the stock market and they're still worried that it's going to crash. Because their trust is in the, the, the money, right? And on this earth, there's nothing stable. It says it all through the word. There's only one thing that's stable that's in existence, and that is God. God is stable. His word is stable. That's why Jesus said, I'll build my church upon this rock, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We have to find out how Jesus lives worry-free and then follow what he tells us to do. This is his principle. This, this is what he's trying to teach us, okay? And, and so before we ever mention anything else about money, I want you to really get a hold of this freedom from worry concept. It is a principle that, that, that goes hand in hand with this first treasure. First, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and you'll not have to worry about what you need. You'll not have to worry. And he wants us to be free. We see people free. That's part of our vision, right? Free from debt means free from worry. Right? And so uh, go ahead and practice and look at your neighbor and say, I see you set free. So if we know God's view on money and what he knows that we have needs, Jesus said that, but he doesn't want us to worry about it. 
So one of our goals this year should be to be debt-free. And if you don't have that goal, I encourage you to adopt that goal and realize that this message this morning and next Sunday will probably be one of the most important messages that you hear besides who Jesus is and how to become born again and who the Holy Spirit is and how to receive the Holy Spirit, right? So the Lord doesn't want us to worry about finances. There is a better way, and that better way is to put him first. When we seek first the kingdom of God, God himself will take responsibility for us. He will provide all that we need to accomplish what he has called us to accomplish. Now, in the world, we've been taught that it's all about us, right? This is where we have a disconnect from the way that the world thinks and the way that the world acts. Jesus teaches us, listen, it's not all about you. Don't be worried about what you're going to eat. Don't be worried about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about working two jobs. Don't worry about all the overtime that, that every time you hear the word overtime and your boss says, who wants to work overtime? You hear this cha-ching and you go, ha, me. <laughs> and then all the plans that your wife has made for you, you say, no, I'm sorry, I got to work overtime. What would you rather have? You want money or you want me to be at home? And the wife is saying, I'd rather you be at home, right? At some point, are we driven by this passion to get more? Are we learning how to walk in the unforced rhythms of God's grace so that we experience this worry-free life? I'm not talking about a lazy life that sits in a hammock that says, you know what? Okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. And if God wants me to have some money, he'll send a raven. Or he wants me to eat, he'll send a raven. If he doesn't, then I'll just starve. No. God designed us to work. He designed Adam to work. And it's good to work. But to overwork, you get into worry. You get into worry. Right? So we, we have to back away and say, listen, it's not about my skill. It's not about all the paper that I have upon the wall that says I graduated from this place and that place and the other place. It's not about my LinkedIn account and how many contacts I have. And, uh, you know, my, my, my contact list at work is not based on my abilities. It's based on God and his blessing on my life. And he said, if you'll put me first and seek me first and put your heart on me and trust me, I will take responsibility for you. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Oh, we're there in 6. Go up to verse 19. Verse 19. Look, look a, few, a few more verses above there. and We're going to read from 19 down to 24. Jesus was speaking. Now, he's talking here this, this whole passage about laying up treasures in heaven. Do not lay up treasures for yourselves here on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That is so important in this whole principle of first treasure and, and this principle of first. Wherever your treasure is, your heart is going to follow. Verse 22 says, The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is good, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the whole body is going to be full of darkness. Therefore, the light that is in you is darkness. If it is, then how great is that darkness? And verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That means something is going to be worthy of worship in your life. Is it going to be God? And if he's first, then it's going to show up in your finances, right? So, let's take a minute and talk about this word materialism. And this is right where we live in USA today, here in 2018 in Decula, Georgia. Here, materialism 101. (laughs) How did we get here? We were born into this society that is brought down to this level of wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting and wanting. And the Bible is full of scriptures that the the person that lusts after things and things and you get things and things aren't enough, you got to have more things. And you look at everybody else and they have things, you want their things. And we all have to be real right here in this moment and just admit that we're a part of that. And it, it, it captures us from time to time. We have to admit that we've been brought up in this. We've been taught how to become materialistic. There is, there's advertisements all the time that come into our eye gate and ear gate to draw us to these things that are so important that if we didn't have an Apple Watch that we couldn't live. <laughs> if we didn't have this phone that life would stop. Really? Really? Well, I was born in a day where we didn't have this. I was born in a day where you picked up the phone and you heard somebody else talking and you're thinking, I didn't even call you. It's called the party line. We had to, sh- we had to share a phone line with the families down the road. And some of the young people are like, are you kidding me? How does that happen? It's called a party line. You pick up the phone, and if somebody else is talking, you be respectful enough to hang up. You don't listen. <laughs> right? Right? Some of you remember about how a party line works. But, you know, we did have phones at one time that you, that you dialed like this, you know, the rotary dial. So how did we get to this place to where, you know, if... if if a parent takes their child's cell phone away from them, the, the, the child grabs the, the parent's phone and calls the cops on them. I mean, just consumed with this material. Of, this is mine. Okay, who pays the bill, child? You know, who pays the bill? And I have a right to take that phone if you're disrespecting or you're disobeying, right? But, but we're so captivated by things that they begin to control us. And we all deal with this. We get caught up in this stuff cycle. I call it. The stuff cycle is the more you get, the more you want. And so we want things. And we convince ourselves that we need things. But this is dangerous for our heart. causes heart failure. (laughs) Because if our heart gets trapped in this stuff cycle, then it gets, our eyes get stuck on stuff instead of Jesus. And here's the truth, guys. What we look at long enough begins to control our heart. So if you're surfing hours and hours and hours and trying to find something on Amazon and it just consumes you, then maybe your heart is stuck on that thing that's going to provide a little bit of happiness in your life. It's materialism, guys. It's called mammon. And and the majority of humanity 
will serve mammon. That's, this is what Jesus said, right? We have to be free. If we're going to be free from worry, then we need to be free from mammon, right? The reality really, and Dave Ramsey's a good source for this, but the majority of people live with debt. And uh, let's just face it, the Bible says that the borrower is a ser- uh, servant to the lender, that's not something that was just made up in 2018 here. God said that a long, long time ago, thousands of years ago. And, and back to the, the principle that God doesn't want us to be a slave to anyone or anything. He wants to deliver us out of slavery to Babylon so that we can walk in his blessings. That's why I'm so excited about this Financial Peace University starting. And uh, I, I see people set free from, from debt and worry and strife. You know, when you get in, in worry in a family, it causes strife in the marriage. Strife in the marriage causes the children to rebel. I mean, this one thing, as a pastor, for years I have counseled with people. And I will meet with them and dig around and find the root. Is They're, they're worried about paying their bills. And this causes tremendous problems in the family. So this is why God wants us to spend some time on it and really, and really hear what he's saying. Jesus said, don't worry. How, how do we do that? If we seek first the kingdom of God, if we operate in this principle of first, we've got to understand that God doesn't need money from you. God created everything. He owns everything. And he can do whatever he wants to with what he has. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, guys. And we're not going to change that at all. He owns it. He could turn the light off right now. But he wants our heart. He wants our heart. He doesn't need our money. He wants our heart. And he says, wherever our heart is, our treasure's going to be there. Wherever we put our treasure, our hearts are going to follow. They're connected, guys. Our heart's connected to our treasure. Where's our treasure? Where's our treasure? And if God is truly first in our heart, then our treasure will reflect it. Our treasure is going to reflect where our heart is. He wants our heart, and that's why he established this this principle of first treasure. Okay, point number one, first treasure belongs to God. The first treasure belongs to God. Leviticus 27 and verse 26. Leviticus 27, 26 says, but the firstborn of the animals, which should be the Lord's firstborn, no man shall dedicate. Whether it is an ox or sheep, it is the Lord's. Everybody say, it's the Lord's. Lord's. If that's not underlined in your Bible, underline it in your Bible. Because the firstborn of everything is the Lord's. This is the principle of first. Whose is it? It's the Lord's. It's not ours to dedicate. It belongs to him. God, by his word and because of his character, has separated a certain portion, and he calls it the first. Now, we just mentioned that crops and animals were used to buy and sell and trade and barter before we had coins. But now we could say the first, and we have scripture here to back this up, the first of our increase everything that we earn, everything that comes into us, the first of that belongs to God. And and God says, if you'll learn to do this, if you'll learn, (coughs) 
<coughs> excuse me, to do the first thing first, then I will bless you and you will increase. Leviticus 27, 30. Leviticus 27, 30, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now I'm going to take just a moment to explain the tithe because there's people in here that may be new to church that don't understand what tithe means. Tithe is a word that designates 10%. 10%, not 2%, not 3%, not 5%. It's not whatever you want to give. It is 10%. God established that. I didn't establish that. 10% is the tithe. And uh, once, we, once we learned this, then we're responsible. We're responsible before God to do what God says to do with the tenth. Because he calls it the first. The first 10% of all of our increase, this is what, what we receive, belongs to God. That means whether we're selling a house and we have a profit off of that house, we have birthday gifts that come, bonuses at work. And you may think, well, man, I really worked hard for that. Well, who gave you the strength to do it? Who gave you the job in the first place? If you didn't have your health, you'd be laid up in the hospital somewhere. Thank God that he empowers you with strength to get out of the bed so that you can go to work. It's time to put a smile on our face and, and begin to thank God and be grateful that we can get out of bed. Right? I tell you, the Christians should be the most joyful people in the world when we realize what God has blessed us with. We should never go to work. I know I'm going to step on some toes right here. I know it. I know it. I I can feel it. I can feel it. We should never go to work complaining. Oh, there are people. There are there are there are people there that don't know Jesus, and they need to see you full of joy, not complaining. Because if you complain, what hope do they have? <laughs> If you complain, what hope do they have? They're supposed to see hope in you. But if you come to work and you go, oh, I just hate to be here. They always take advantage of me. They, they never pay me what I'm worth. Blah, 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 blah. By lunchtime, everybody's ready to go home. Like, and I don't, bl I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to work around somebody that's complaining all the time either. <laughs> You know, when I come to work and I show up and, and my boss is here on the site and he visits my office and if I start complaining, if I start complaining, he says, uh, uh, hold on a minute. Let me show you what I've done for you so, so that you can be joyful. Have a glad heart. Be grateful. I'm telling you, this, this one attitude adjustment can change everything for you at work. If you'll just realize that you're working for God, now this is a whole other series that is probably going to come uh, a little bit later this year. But listen, um, <laughs> we need to be glad, glad that we can show up at work and realize that God has blessed us. And whatever he blesses us with really belongs to him. 
And you know, the Bible says that we bring the tithe. It never says that we give the tithe. There's a difference. The tithe belongs to God. So you're bringing back to him that's something that belongs to him. You're not paying it, and you're not giving it. You're bringing it because it belongs to him. He designated that. It belongs to him. It belongs to him. So we're not, we're not paying a bill that we owe. He gave you what he gave you. Okay, I, I need some help here. Um, Josh, come up here. Uh, this is to illustrate the tithe, guys. Now, I have 10 $10 bills. But it's for the illustration, right? And they're all numbered, right? And Josh, let's pretend that, that I'm God. And <laughs> that's some big shoes to fill. <laughs> And, and I'm paying Josh wages for the week. I've got $100, and Josh has worked for me, right? So here's one, two, three, four, five, six. Are you guys with me? Seven, eight, nine. We can all count. And ten. Now, here's the big question. This is, light bulbs are going to come on all over the place. Josh, which, which $10 bill is the tithe? One. All right. That's it. He passed the test. And every time, listen, guys, every time something comes into your hands... There's a test. Which one are you going to bring to the Lord? Which one are you going to bring? Are you going to pay your bills starting with number one and then number two? Because I guarantee you, listen, I lived like this for years. If you pay your bills starting with one and two and three, you won't have number 10 to give to God. Guaranteed. But there was a day when, when I heard a message that said, over in Malachi, prove me now. And the person that was ministering that day said, this is the only time where the Lord says, prove me. And my ears perked up and I thought, something's going to happen here because I'm going to get this. I had been ignoring the tithe for years. Oh, but... But, but God, I work at the church. I give my time at the church. So my time is worth something. I would reason it out, guys, and I'm just being totally honest with you. Oh, I just, I work at the church, and I volunteer at the church. Therefore, I don't have to tithe because I give you a part of my life, and my, my, my time is worth something. My heart was looking to see what I didn't have to give God. I was holding back. But when I heard that message that day, I said, you know what? I don't care. I don't care if they come and take everything that I have. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give the one. I'm going to give the first. I'm going to give the first. I'm going to give the first. And now, here, here's the deal. When you give God the first, his blessing comes on the 90. That's right. His blessing comes on the 90. And so it multiplies 
But if we don't give the first, then guess what? The curse comes on the 90. Right? Is that a good illustration? Do you guys have that? Do you got it? Do you, have you got it? Okay. The first belongs to who? To God. So, we, we give God, or we bring to God, the tithe. Listen, think, think, about, think about how Adam and Eve were blessed by God. He provided a place for them to live. He provided jo- uh, Adam with a job. Tore the garden. It's going to produce. It's going to multiply. Beautiful garden. Paradise. And so Adam is, is doing his work. And God gave him one instruction. I'm setting aside this one tree. Call it tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree is holy to me. It's set apart. It's sanctified. Don't touch that tree and don't eat from that tree. But Adam, listening to his wife, who listened to the enemy, came and ate from God's tree. He should have and could have eaten from the tree of life and lived forever, eternally, forever, in a state of total communion face-to-face with God every day. But he chose to be disobedient and eat from that tree that was set apart and sanctified from God. And because of Adam's disobedience, the curse came on the earth. Right? Can you see the principle of the first here? God kept that tree of the knowledge of good and evil sanctified and set apart for his purpose. Right? Just like he has kept the tithe set apart and sanctified for his purpose. But Adam, through his disobedience, disobeyed God and opened the door for sin. Now, Adam was accountable and responsible for opening the door. Right? And God had to, because he, he is a, a person of his word, he had to pronounce a curse on the earth. And then man had to toil then to produce fruit on the earth. So what God is saying through this principle of first is, if you will trust me enough and give me the first 10% of your increase, I will redeem you from the curse that is on the earth that came on the earth through the disobedience from Adam. Do you see that? It is so clear how God redeems us. When we tithe and we bring to God the tithe, He redeems us from the curse that's on the earth. That is so important that you see that, guys. That point that I just really want to camp out. This answers the question why there are some Christians that love God. They're going to heaven, but they don't have a clue about finances. And I used to be there. I used to be there. I used to be there. I know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck and worry about where the money's going to come from until I understood that God wanted me to bring the tithe to him. And when I brought the tithe to him, then he blessed. He, he took the other 90% and removed the curse of the world from it. Right? Isn't that awesome? Number two, first treasure is our statement of faith in God. You know, people say, man, I'm a great man. I'm a great woman of faith. I walk in faith. I speak the mountains, they move. 
So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that the tithe is holy unto the Lord and that we should bring the tithe to the Lord? If you, if you don't believe that and you're not operating in that, then I wouldn't call you a great person of faith. Right? Because Abraham, look in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. Genesis 14. Are you getting free this morning? I, I, know, it's, I know it is... Uh, listen, the truth that sets free always makes the devil mad. When, when the light bulbs come on and the truth is being spoken, it always upsets the enemy. Genesis 14 and verse 18. <coughs> then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the high priest of the Most High God. And he blessed and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Now, this was a verse that came from a time where Abram uh, was notified that his uh, nephew Lot had been overtaken by an enemy. And Abram got his army together, went and freed Lot from the enemy, and had a war against the enemies of Lot. And in that war, Abram was blessed with all the spoils. Whenever there would, they would have one army against the other, whoever won the war took the spoils. So Abraham had the spoils of the war, and he, he gave tithe. He brought tithe to the Lord. The priest Melchizedek, Melchizedek, if you study out Hebrews chapter 7, Take time this week to study out Hebrews chapter 7. talks about Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a, a, a type and shadow of Jesus. And in the New Testament, the priest that receives tithe is Jesus. Right? And so uh, Abram, the man of faith, who is the father of faith, who we follow as the father of faith, brought tithe then to Melchizedek. And because he brought tithe to Melchizedek, Melchizedek pronounce the blessing of God on Abraham. And so, if, if we bring tithe to God, it is a statement of extreme faith. You know, people say, well, you know, Pastor, you know, those scriptures talking about the tithe and where the tithe is first mentioned, it's in the Old Testament. And so, that means because it's in the Old Testament, it must have been under the law. But listen, Melchizedek over here, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Abraham over here in Genesis lived 420 years before Moses was ever born. <laughs> right? And so uh, Abram practiced bringing the tithe to God before God ever spoke to Moses and told him to make tithe a part of the law. You have to understand that. That tithe tithing and, and bringing the tithe to God was not just put under the law. It was a part of the faith of Abraham as he served God. He served God, and he taught us how to live above the circumstances, right? And so, Abraham, 
experienced the blessing of God because he brought tithe. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9. Proverbs 3, 9. This is Solomon. Now, first we were talking about Abraham. Now we're talking about Solomon. Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, was called the wisest man in the whole world. The wisest, but also, what else? The richest man in the whole world. Now, I I looked up how much Solomon would be worth in 2017. And... It is more, he, he would be worth more than $2 trillion. $2 trillion. <laughs> so, we can say, I mean, we need to spend a lot of time in Proverbs, you know, because wisdom produces riches. That's what the Bible says, right? The Bible says that, but then Solomon, uh, Solomon displayed that. Proverbs 3 and verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits, underline the word first fruits, of all your increase. Where do you think uh, Solomon, the wisest man of the world, got that information? From God and from his ancestors that operated in that, right? And here's verse 10. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And bringing, bringing that in today's language, that your accounts would overflow with finances and all of your investments would be multiplied supernaturally. This is what God has said in His Word. This is not what some preacher on the TV says to try to get your money. No, this is what God has said. This is how people that believe God and trust God act. This is how we conduct our life. And so when the wisest man and the richest man in the whole earth talks about bringing the first fruits of our increase to God and the results of it, I would say that that's uh, some confirmation that this is what God wants us to do. We bring the first of everything that we get and then God's going to take responsibility for everything that we have. The last scripture here, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. Malachi 3, 8. Malachi is over there where the pages stick together. (laughs) Right over there before uh, Matthew. The the Italian pronunciation of Malachi is Malachi. No, no, not really. (laughs) That was just... That was a little joke. Not even a good joke. But I'm going to start uh, chapter 3 and verse 8. Starts with a question. Will a man rob God? And the question this morning is, will we rob God? Will, will you rob God? And, and look, at, look at their answer. Uh, God is saying, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But, but they say, the people says, in what way have we robbed you? So listen, if, if they can be unaware that they've been rob, robbing God, I believe that w- today sometimes we can be unaware when we're robbing God. Isn't that true? We're not above walking in some degree of disobedience in, in the area of our finances especially in this area of, of tithe. It is so important that we understand 
Um, and like I said before, m- my personal, personal testimony is I tried to see how less I could give. You know, I'm going to tithe, but, but I don't want to tithe off of the gross of my income. I'll just tithe off of the net because the, 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 the government has already taken, tithe, already taken taxes out. And so now I'm going to tithe off of what I get in my paycheck. But listen, don't let the first of your paycheck go to the government. Make sure that you tithe the very first thing off of the gross of what God increases you. Amen? Make sure that you're giving. And when Pastor Sheila and I, we, there was one point in our life where we decided 10% is not enough. And so those of you who know us and, and those of you who count the offering or whatever, you can testify that not only that we tithe 10%, but we give 15% above that. So we're 25%. We're looking for ways to give more. And it produces a blessing. I'm telling you, God is looking for people who will, who will not just stop at the 10%. Because he, he desires, and next week we're going to talk about offerings, but offering is anything above the 10%. Right? So here identifies the tithe again. And uh, I, God wants, you have to see the heart of God. We'll, let's just keep reading here. They said, in what way have we robbed you? He said, in tithes and offerings. Verse 9, you're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So God never asks us to do anything without telling us the blessing that comes as a result of obeying what he's told us to do. He gives us the, the, the promise for what he's asked us to do, right? His desire is that the curse be broken off of our life. And the curse is broken off of our life when we bring tithe to God. It is so clear. So clear from the Word of God. And listen, God is not, he's not trying to be hard, but he's, trying, he's, he's not trying to get anything from you. He's trying to get things to you. He wants you to not worry about what, where you're going to eat. He's, he wants you not to worry about what you're going to wear. He wants you to be fully clothed, fully satisfied, and able to have more than enough to bless other people. Right? So let's bow our head and think about this. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? If you have been tithing, that's awesome, man. This, this message was meant to fortify, encourage, and strengthen your confidence that your Father is your source and that He provides and that His hand of blessing is on the other 90% to, to set you free from worry. Stop worrying about what, what, what's going to happen in 2018. If you're a tither and you, and, and you have a covenant with God and you've brought the tithe, 
he's, our Father is going to take good care of you. Well, he's going he's gonna to take excellent care of you. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? He's saying that this is, this is important. Finances are important. Father, thank you that you, you care about us so much that you gave us instructions on how to live a life on this earth. 